Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Today is the day that we have our Smart Politics Happy Hour pre-election special planned for 6 to 8 p.m. in downtown Detroit on Fort Street at the Anchor Bar. You can come by, have a beer, have a chat with us, with me and other folks from here at WDET about the races that uh, Detroiters will vote on next week, the mayor's race, the clerk's race, the city council race. Uh, This is all part of our ongoing effort to let you steer the conversations here on the show, something we do every day on the air. Now you'll get to do it live with me in a bar. So 6 to 8 p.m., Tonight at the Anchor Bar in downtown Detroit, uh, come out and say hello and uh, join the discussion. Also remember that if you are walking away from your radio for any reason at this hour, you don't have to miss out on the conversation here on Detroit Today. You can always go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts, download and subscribe to Detroit Today, and uh, we will uh, be able to be with you whenever you are ready. You can listen to us when you get ready, as opposed to when we are on the air every day from 9 to 10. A little later in the show, we're going to talk about the two ordinances that will be on the ballot next week that have to do with medical marijuana. We had a conversation about that last week. Got a little heated. We didn't end up with an awful lot of time, though, to get deeply into those issues. So we have invited Detroit City Councilman James Tate, who represents District 1 in the northwest area of the city, has been really active in trying to craft the ordinances that govern medical marijuana dispensaries here in the city of Detroit. He'll be back uh, to talk about that, along with Jonathan Barlow, who is the spokesperson for Citizens for Sensible Cannabis Reform, which collected the signatures to put these proposals on the ballot. I expect that will be a very lively discussion. We also, of course, want you to be part of it uh, at 313-577-1019. That will kick off at about half past the hour. Up first today, the Detroit City Council has passed a new air quality ordinance meant to limit dust and soot in neighborhoods near industrial areas. It regulates the storage and transportation of materials such as pet coke. That's the byproduct of oil refining that has caused a lot of controversy here, especially in southwest Detroit, where residents say they are experiencing serious health problems from pollution produced by the Marathon oil refinery. For its part, Marathon says the company is neutral on the ordinance, but stressed in a report in the free press that it has reduced emissions and is a small part of the overall emissions problem in southwest Detroit. What are the environmental issues in that part of the city, and are they solvable, or at least partially solvable, with this ordinance? Or are there other measures we ought to be thinking about? Joining us now to talk about that ordinance and the more general issues of environmental uh, uh, justice, I guess, in southwest Detroit is Nick Leonard, who is a staff attorney at the Great Lakes Environmental Law Center. Also here is Michelle Martinez, an environmental justice activist in southwest Detroit. Nick and Michelle, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah, Let's start with what this ordinance does uh, and why you think uh, it's a step in the right direction. I mean, I think there's a, there's an obvious answer to the question of whether this is enough. It, I'm, I'm sure it's not, given <laughs> the things I know about what, what, what goes on with pollution uh, in southwest Detroit. But 
talk about this this ordinance and why uh, why you think is an important step in the right direction. Sure. The basic purpose of the ordinance is to regulate dust emissions from facilities that store large amounts of aggregate materials. So those are materials like pet coke, met coke, coal, limestone, steel slag, all of these different industrial components that exist in our neighborhoods. And this is a unique Detroit issue because we have a lot of these facilities concentrated in southwest Detroit that are all really close to residents. There's approximately 20,000 Detroit residents living within a half mile of these facilities. And what we found when we looked into the information and the case studies on these types of facilities was that they tend to create highly localized hotspots of particulate matter pollution. So Mm -hmm. basically, if you live in a close proximity to one of these types of facilities, if you play there, if you work there, then you're going to be disproportionately burdened with particulate matter pollution, which can tend to aggravate asthma mm-hmm. and cause cardiovascular disease. And and one of the things that, that I know from being in that part of the city is uh, is just how prevalent uh, this dust gets when mm-hmm. you have these piles of of this this material sitting sitting around. The wind picks it up and it, it, it gets on everything. I mean it, it, if you live near it, if you have your windows open uh, every morning you can see sort of a layer of, of this material on on your table, on your counters, uh, it's getting into everything. Yeah, that's what initially really drew the Great Lakes Environmental Law Center to this issue was we were consistently going to different hearings held by the Michigan Department of Environmental Quality uh, regarding this this exact issue, regarding sort of stole, storage of bulk solid materials, and hearing from residents that you know, this is getting everywhere and you need to do something about it. And so... When when Detroit was talking about it, we 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 thought it was just a, a great idea for local government to address this this local problem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Michelle, uh, talk about how this particular issue fits into that larger context of environmental issues and environmental justice in in Southwest Detroit. As we we said, this is not the whole. Uh, this is not the whole solution. It is a step forward, but but some of the other things that are that are going on, I think, are are, are as urgent uh, and maybe as deserving of our attention. Yeah, that's right, Stephen. You know, we have to understand in Southwest Detroit that there are so many industrial processes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in which our communities are exposed to. So. We began to learn about what petroleum coke was after the Marathon Oil Refinery went online to process tar sands coming in from Canada. And these mounds started coming up on the riverfront, and residents quickly came together to say, you know, there's this dust coming all over our neighborhood, all over our apartment buildings. And the Council of Canadians in Windsor actually were taking video of these huge plumes just blowing across the river. I mean, in a Halloween sense, it was the scariest kind of miasma that you can imagine (laughs) Mm -hmm. sort of going over those waters. And quickly, community came together to say, okay, we know where this is coming from, but it's not being adequately regulated. So what is the way that we can actually help to protect 
residents from some of the what we now call fugitive dust, but we were calling soot, you know, that, that black, oily, nasty stuff that gets on the, the front porches and in, into the apartments of, of folks in Detroit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the things that, that I've always thought is true about Southwest Detroit is that the relationship between the industrial businesses that that live down there or that that occupy that land and 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 let, let, let's be honest some of them have been there for many many decades i mean they're not these are not uh, newcomers to that to that neighborhood they've had to navigate these issues for for a really long time but i've thought for a long time that that all of this is ultimately about the relationship they have with the residents who live down there, and that if uh, if they could approach that in a way that was a respectful of of the residents' needs, uh, but b sort of geared toward some sort of agreement or compromise as opposed to just about profit, we'd be in we'd be in better shape. Give us an idea, though, of of how those relationships look today. What is the relationship with Marathon, for instance, which expanded its refinery, I know, uh, a few years ago. What's the relationship with with uh, some of the other some of the other uh, industrial uh, occupants of of that part of town? Yeah, one thing that we have to talk about, and this is an argument often that is made to community, is that, you know, we're the motor city. Mm-hmm. we're we're a steel town. We deal with these things because it's a part of our economy. And, while that's true, we also have advanced technologies and new sciences that have both proved that these processes, if unmitigated by new technologies, will cause public health impacts. Mm-hmm. And you don't need any kind of advanced degree to understand that, like, oh, grandpa has heart disease, or oh, how many times have we been to the uh, cancer hospital mm-hmm. to deal with this? So we've seen generations of people go through this. And now we're in a position where we're making arguments for our children's health. And until Detroit really starts taking seriously the health of our children, then how are we going to be able to make arguments for schools that we can't even get kids in the door because the number one reason why they're missing school is because of asthma. So that's where the conversation has to start. And when we engage with Marathon Oil or any other company, we're in a very limited regulatory environment that it's not protecting us right. to the extent that we need. And they're only required by law to really comply with the regulation as it stands yeah. today. Yeah. I mean, one of the frustrations that you have, uh, I think, or it's, it's easy to have with with some of these companies is the way that they talk about these these issues. I mean that that statement that I read in the intro, Marathon, you know, saying that they have reduced emissions and are only a small part of the overall emissions picture in Southwest Detroit. That may be true. It's not really the relevant fact or or data point. I mean, the the, the point is that the pollution that they do create is causing these health these health problems. Yeah, and the problem that I'd like to emphasize is just that there's obviously a high number of facilities. So when, when Marathon is saying they're, they're a part of the pollution problem in southwest Detroit, part of the problem is they're, they're correct. There are a lot of industrial facilities that exist down there, but mm-hmm. that what that means is that we need stronger 
protections for our residents because we also have a lot of people that live down there. Yeah. There's a there's just so it's it's a unique circumstance to have so much industrial activity so close to so many people. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are Nick Leonard, a staff attorney at the Great Lakes Environmental Law Center. Also here is Michelle Martinez, an environmental justice activist in southwest Detroit. We're talking about uh, the new ordinance that passed city council, a new air quality ordinance that is uh, meant to limit dust and soot in neighborhoods near industrial areas. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Uh, <clears throat> tell us how the air quality is where you live. Do you live in Detroit? Do you live in southwest Detroit? Uh, and notice a difference in the air quality where you live or maybe work uh, and other parts of the region. Uh, tell us about things that you've seen that seem to be polluting the air. Tell us about how you deal with uh, health issues in your family. If you live in Delray or another part of Southwest that's got heavy industrial uh, activity, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today uh, and let us know uh, what you think and we will try to work your comments into the conversation. Call and tell us what you think about that tension between uh, the need for businesses to, to, to operate and make money and the health concerns that residents have when uh, the things that they're doing create pollution. Let's go to Charlie in Royal Oak. Charlie, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, thanks, Stephen. Good uh-huh. morning. Yeah. Um, I've uh, lived here in Royal Oak, but I've spent third of every day of my life for the last 34 years working in Delray. And, and my mother grew up there as well. And the problems they have there have been there, you know, since Henry Ford opened the Rouge. Mm-hmm. And they've just, you know, we've if it isn't slag, it's lime. It, if it isn't that, it's coke. If it isn't that, it could be pet coke. Um, but it's been there, and it's going to be there unless until we start educating our kids from day one to understand and value. And without the will to pass meaningful legislation, which we have, but don't enforce, um, we're going to go nowhere. One of the biggest polluters down there is the city of Detroit, the wastewater treatment plant. Sure. So, I mean, that's just the facts. And, and unless the people are moved out, or the industries are shut down or controlled in such a way that uh, they, you know, reduce and minimize like this, I guess, legislation is meant to affect. Um, it'll mean nothing without enforcement. Right. And the only way we're going to cultivate that for our society and our world is to educate our kids. And yeah. that's just the key to me. Charlie, I, I really appreciate the call and the comments. There's something that Charlie said there, though, that I want to I wanna follow up on. This idea that maybe you can't have heavy industrial activity and residential neighborhoods right next to each other. I, I hear people say that. I hear people say, well, what, what, what if we tried to move all of the people who are in these areas away uh, from this industry and give them a, give them a place that's, uh, that's a little cleaner at the same time? These are people's houses. These are people's neighborhoods. Uh, then the question becomes, why should they have to sacrifice? But there is a tension there, right? This idea that that as long as you live close to uh, 
uh, a factory like this or or a processing plant like this, you're gonna have to you're gonna deal with this kind of pollution. Mm. Michelle, look, <clears throat> uh, I take my daughter to Patton Park to go to Tiny Tumblers, right? And it's our community pool. And there I see families and I see people who are trying to keep it together. They go to work, they go to school, you know, they wake up and brush their teeth just mm-hmm. like everybody does. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to make it work. And the thing that we don't turn our eyes to is across the street, 50 foot piles of bulk storage materials. Mm-hmm. And it's just an accepted reality in Southwest Detroit that we just have to deal with the things that are happening in our community. What we're not making the connection to is that these are the reasons that you have to have that breathing treatment before you go to class. Mm -hmm. You know, the sulfur dioxide emissions that are well and above safe levels in southwest Detroit, those are the reasons that we're getting sick every day. So when we start making those connections, then we're actually going to be able to make that transformation, as the caller said. And... I'm, I'm not in the camp of I want to leave my community behind to let industry occupy the land that we and my family specifically over five generations has been cultivating community. And we know, we know our neighbors. We know Anthony Benavides at Clark Park. And my grandma knew the grandma of uh, Lisa Luebanos. And we are a community and we want to hold those bonds together. Yeah. We don't want to let the bully, bully out of a, <laughs> bully us out of our neighborhood because we can't breathe. Right, right. Um, uh, uh, Nick, what about this idea of coexistence? Is that possible? I mean, is there a reasonable way to let industry like this exist right next door to to residents? It is possible. I think this ordinance that was recently passed, this dust ordinance is a good example of it. Now, it is true that a lot of these facilities have been here for decades. That's true with some of the facilities that are going to be regulated by the dust ordinance. Mm -hmm. It's also true that we're sort of getting new information as we go along. And so the things that we knew when these facilities were located close to residents, um, we we now know that that's sort of disproportionately subjects um, the people that live in those neighborhoods to air pollution problems. Yeah, but there are a lot of common sense um, solutions to control emissions um, in these environments where you have a lot of people living in close proximity to a lot of polluters. But there's no magic bullet, and it it requires sort of step by step legislative and regulatory action, like what we saw with the dust ordinance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Again, Charlie, thanks very much for the call and the comments. Let's go to Amanda in Brighton. Amanda, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, guys. Um, Yeah, I grew up actually in Delray and River Rouge and then moved away to college. And magically, I never had breathing problems again. My asthma and everything kind of went away as my I'm not the only one in my family that's had that issue. After we've moved out of River Rouge, they've all had to stop, you know, they didn't need their breathing treatments and things like that anymore. And we've also had a long history of, like, abnormal tumors in my family. Like, we grew up right down the street from Great Lakes Steel. The soot would come Mm. right down our street. And then Bug Island on the other side of the marathon right there. 
it was just so much at one time, and I really do believe it's affected all of our health. Yeah. Uh, Amanda, let me ask you this question. Did your family move from River Rouge because of this problem? I mean, was, it, was that the thing that drove you away? I, for me, that was a lot of it. Um, I still have my grandma who still, she does not want to move and an aunt and an uncle and my sister, one of my sisters is still down there. And that was part of the reason why I left. I just couldn't handle it. And I didn't want my son to go through that. Yeah. Yeah. Amanda, thanks very much uh, for the call and the, and the, the sharing that story. I think it's a pretty common story. I hear it a lot around, uh, around Metro Detroit. Let's go to Gloria in Southwest Detroit. Gloria, welcome to Detroit. Yes. Uh Go ahead. Good morning. Hi. Yes, this is Gloria Rivera. I, I, good morning, everybody. Good morning, Michelle and Nick. I just wanted you to, I mean, reinforce what they're saying. And another thought that to me is that we need to think more systemically. We need to connect the dots. We need to know that the tar sands come from Alberta, and we have destroyed the boreal forest and the native peoples who live there. Mm-hmm. They come to Detroit, and they're not regulated well enough. They join other pollutants. So it's not just about, it's local, but it's also global. And then when I hear industry saying, well, the workers are going to lose their jobs, well, they're not going to lose their jobs, but they're losing their life because they're breathing some of that same crappy stuff that we are breathing. So definitely it's about the children, but it's also about a good, healthy environment for all of us, social, economic, and environmental. And uh, lastly, it's about let's start doing some climate change of our own by using more renewable energy, using some of that industry that has the resources and we who have the skills, and together, let's move it forward. Let's flip it over. I think we can do it, um, but it's a very hard thing to have a dialogue with people when they put profit over people, and that's my, you know, my summary of what I'm thinking, and I'm grateful (laughs) to Nick and Michelle for staying down there and working hard on behalf of all of us. Yeah, thank, thank you very you. much. Thank you very much for the call, Gloria. I really appreciate, again, sharing that that perspective. And it's great that uh, we're getting a lot of folks who have experienced this firsthand, right? Not just uh, stories about things that they've heard about, but experiences that they actually have have had. Go ahead, Michelle. Yeah, thank you, Gloria, a neighbor of mine and, and oh. much beloved in the community. <laughs> and I can't say enough about all of the community members who have been working on these issues, not just on Pet Coke, but all of the air quality issues for years. There was a massive coming together of residents of Southwest Detroit to just say, you know, we're sick of this. Mm-hmm. We're sick of having to deal with all of the pollution that beleaguers our communities and we had even folks, um, the Council of Canadians, we had Windsor on Watch um, contacting me and just saying, hey, thanks for this. You know, we really know that we're your neighbors to the north and we're also impacted by this air quality issue. Um, and through this kind of force of community and coming together and really showing the love, again, it's for our children and as Gloria said, for all of us coming together in nature to protect nature um, and our lungs and our hearts, <laughs> um, right. those right. are the kinds of things that are going to help us find the solution and the will to find a solution for a new new time of generative economy that's going to really pay us to do clean, renewable and uh, energy that's not going to cause climate change. Right. Right. Uh, let's go to Abdul El Sayed. He is the former health commissioner here in the city of Detroit, now 
candidate for governor in 2018. Abdul, welcome to Detroit today. Thank you, Stephen, for highlighting this. I really appreciate it. And to Nick and Michelle, uh, please do keep up the good work. I just wanted to say that this is an issue that um, will continue. And one of the things we have to think through is the fact that we know that our kids have triple the likelihood of asthma hospitalizations in Southwest than Mm -hmm. they do in the rest of the state. And leadership on this issue is one thing we really wanted to focus on at the health department. But we have to remember that even when we pass ordinances like this in the city, which I, I fantastically agree with, um, a lot of the biggest polluters just sit right outside the city line. Mm-hmm. And so those ordinances mm-hmm. don't apply. And we're going to need real leadership at the Michigan Department of Environmental Quality, which has been under the Snyder administration, I think, derelict in its responsibilities in Southwest. And then also action on the part of Wayne County, folks like the county executive, who have also been asleep at the wheel, I believe. And so I think we need, we need to think collectively about all the levels of government that can uh, address this issue. And we need to stand up, like the callers and um, your guests have said, uh, to make sure that we put people over profits. Hmm. Yeah, uh, Abdul, as always, uh, great to hear from you. Very great point, too. How, how do we do that? Uh, how do we get past the city line uh, to deal with this when you're talking about companies that do sit right across that line? Well, that's the million-dollar question, I think, for every issue in this region, really. Um, and Abdul al is exactly right. You know, if you go down to Southwest, that area is carved up into a number of different uh, local governments. Mm-hmm. You have River Rouge, you have Dearborn, you have Ecorse, and and it's it's often very difficult to figure out just where the boundary for each of those um, local governments is. Yeah. Unfortunately, for for residents, um, dust, other air pollution doesn't respect those boundaries, and so you know, it even even though so, a bulk solid material facility might be located in Dearborn. You know, if it's just across the border from Detroit, it's going to impact those residents all the same. And so ultimately what we do need is you know, better leadership from the Michigan Department of Environmental Quality, but also some some concentrated local control, I think, in Wayne County to specifically address the the unique air pollution problems that exist in this especially yeah especially in southern region. wayne county where where southwest detroit is yeah yeah let's quickly take one more call uh, before we end the segment tiffany and st Clair shores i want to make sure we got you on tiffany welcome to detroit today hey guys thanks so much for having this discussion i will mm-hmm. tell you right up front this is a really hot issue for me i grew up in southwest detroit in melvindale mm-hmm I've had eight Mm. surgeries due to what I was exposed Mm. to growing up down there, Um, and I'm not the only one. Most of the people that I graduated from high school with, particularly the females, had uh, issues with their reproductive system ranging from various cancers to infertility to endometriosis, which Mm. is what I have. Um, It's really, I have always been amazed that businesses like Marathon in particular, like all of Zug Island, uh, the Darling Company, which was just down the road from where I grew up, they make uh, soap products there from animal byproducts, mm-hmm. which is where that lovely smell comes from, a lot of it, in the in the downriver area. But it goes into everything. It's in the soil. It's in the air. It affects Dearborn, Ecorse, Taylor. Every area downriver gets all of that stuff. And, and all of the chemical components that are in pet coal I mean, just take a look at this stuff. It's nasty. Yeah. My, yeah. I have a brother who's, uh, there's 14 years between my brother and I. He did a science experiment when he was in high school. He went through Melvin. Oh, 
pair of pantyhose and put cardboard, like a cardboard frame around it and hung it out on the balcony. And within three days, there were holes eaten all the way through this nylon. Oh, wow. You know, it's all over your car. It's on your driveway. This is completely unacceptable. This is a federal, in my opinion, it's a federal issue. It's a mm. state issue. It needs, people shouldn't be allowed to live there, period. It's just mm. too damn dangerous. Yeah. That's Tiffany, all I have to say. Tiffany, thanks very much for the call. Back to that point then about whether people should live there. I mean, I, I, I hear that as a recurring narrative around this. And I understand, you know, the, 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 the difficulty there in, in deciding that, but, uh, but Tiffany's story, I think uh, really, really points to the, the severe kinds of consequences that some people are facing. Okay. Nick Leonard, staff attorney at the Great Lakes Environmental Law Center, Michelle Martinez, environmental justice activist in Southwest Detroit. Thank you both for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you. Up next, we're going to dig a bit deeper into the medical marijuana proposals that are going to be on the ballot in Detroit next week. We want to hear from you for sure on that. Stay with us on the phones and stay with us on Detroit Today.